Nick Carter's Ghost Story, Chapter 3 How Nick Found the Jewels It certainly looked like sheer recklessness for this thief, whoever he might be, to play his game on Nick almost at the very moment when the great detective appeared upon the scene. Shrewd as Nick was, he had not expected this. His first thought, as the reader knows, was that it was a bold challenge, the defiance of a nervy criminal who thought himself absolutely safe from detection. But a moment's reflection made this seem less probable. Was it not more natural to suppose that this event proved that the detective was unknown to the thief? Such being the case, Colonel Richmond, his nephew and Mrs. Pond were acquitted at the start. It may seem ridiculous to suspect them in any case, but so strange was the nature of this affair that Nick gave nobody the credit of certain innocence. Colonel Richmond was certainly very nearly crazy on one point. He might be so much of a lunatic as to commit these robberies from simple delusion, or he might wish to prove to his daughter that the diamonds were not rightfully hers. Mrs. Pond might be pawning them for small extravagances which he was afraid to have known. As to Horace Richmond, there was no motive which seemed plausible. The value of the articles taken was so small as to make the game not worthwhile for a man in his position, and it was perfectly certain that no professional thief or dishonest servant was doing the work. If such a person had been in the game, he would not have taken one of those diamond pins. He would have taken all three. It was impossible to lose sight of the fact that the Stevenses would be the real gainers if this ghost business led Colonel Richmond to insist that his daughter should give up the jewels. Mrs. Stevens and her daughter could not be doing the job personally, but they might have a secret agent among the servants, or more probably concealed in some secret recess of the strange old house. Nick resolved to go see Mrs. and Miss Stevens without delay. He hoped to judge by their conduct whether they knew anything about the robberies. These thoughts passed through his mind in a flash. He quickly searched the room to be sure that the thief was not concealed in it, and then descended to the main hall. The outer door was open, and Colonel Richmond and his daughter were standing on the steps. Just as Nick joined them, Horace Richmond strolled up. They all stood looking at a carriage which was coming up the driveway. "'Why, it's Mrs. Stevens!' exclaimed Mrs. Pan. "'I thought she said she did not come here any more.' She hasn't been here in some time, responded the colonel. I have thought that she invited us because of this matter with the jewels. For at that moment the carriage drew up before the door. Colonel Richmond advanced courteously and assisted Mrs. Stevens to alight. Nick noticed at once that she was much agitated. Colonel Richmond asked her into the house, but she said that she preferred to sit on the veranda. She had come on business and would stay but a moment. She evidently wished to speak to the colonel privately, and so the others stepped aside, but Nick's eye was upon the woman every moment. Very few words had passed between them when the colonel uttered a cry and called to Nick. The detective instantly advanced. He made a sign to Richmond, but it was not understood, and the colonel introduced Nick by his right name. "'Here's an extraordinary thing, Mr. Carter,' he said. "'We now have proof positive that this affair is not the work of mortal hands.' "'What is that?' asked Nick. The jewels have appeared. Where? In Mrs. Stevens' house. They have been mysteriously transported there without human aid. I should be glad to have that proven, said Nick. It shall be, said the colonel. Tell your story, Mrs. Stevens, if you please. It is very simple, she said. This noon, when I returned to my room after lunch, I found upon my dressing table certain pieces of jewellery which I recognised as having belonged to the late Miss Lavina Richmond. I knew them well, 
Nothing that I can imagine could have surprised me more than to find them there. I have no explanation to offer. I can't explain how it happened. Nick could explain it very easily, at least so far as the appearance of the jewels in that particular place was concerned. It looked like a natural development of the plot, but his face expressed no emotion as he asked, Who had access to that room? Nobody, replied Mrs. Stevens. It was locked. Is it customary for you to lock your bedroom door when you go to lunch? No, it is quite unusual. But we have a new servant in the house, and as I had considerable money in the room, I took that precaution. All the doors were locked, and I had the key to one of them. The others were on the inside of the locks. When I went to lunch, the jewels were not there. When I returned, they were there. That is all I know about it. Here they are. She drew from her pocket as she spoke, a small cardboard box. The woman was making heroic efforts to be calm, but it seemed as if she might either faint or go into hysterics at any moment. Was she playing a game that was too hard for her? That was the question for Nick to answer. And yet when he looked at this gentle, refined woman, he hardly had the heart to suspect her of any dishonesty. I will show you the jewels, she said, struggling to command her voice. You can see whether they're all here. Her trembling hands could hardly find the string which was tied about the box. While she pulled at it, she kept talking as if she must do it to relieve her overburdened mind. She described the articles of jewellery which were in the box. They are the very ones, said the colonel. As he uttered the words, the string was loosened and the cover fell off the box. There was a sharp cry. It came from Mrs. Pond, who, with Horace, had approached during this scene. Why, there's one of my diamond pins, she exclaimed. How on earth did it come to be there? Well, if Mrs. Pond was surprised, she wasn't a bit more so than Nick Carter. The pin referred to was the one which had been stolen from the cushion in Mrs. Pond's dressing room not ten minutes before. Why, this is impossible, cried Mrs. Pond. I left that pin with the two others like it in my room. Without saying another word, she turned and ran into the house. Almost immediately her voice was heard in the hall. It's gone, she cried. It's been taken out of my bedroom. She appeared at the door with a very white face, but her excitement was nothing to that of Mrs. Stevens. Nick dropped the role of detective and assumed that of a doctor in less than a second. When he had saved Mrs. Stevens from an attack of hysterics, he said, I was aware that the pin had been taken. It was done while I was in your room, Mrs. Pond. The circumstances were exactly the same as those attending the other robberies. But I did not put it in the box, exclaimed Mrs. Stevens. Exclaimed Mrs. Stevens. It was not among the jewels which I found. She turned to Colonel Richmond. Her face was ghastly pale. I have scorned your belief she said, but now I am convinced no mortal being could have done this thing. What do you say to that, Mr. Carter? cried the colonel with flashing eyes. I would like to ask a few questions, rejoined Nick. Were you alone when you put those jewels into the box? I was. Has it been in your possession ever since? It has not been out of my care. Did you tell anybody about the finding of the jewels? Nobody. Please describe everything that happened after you found them. I was, of course, greatly agitated. I did not know what to do. For some time I sat staring at the jewels and trying to think what was my proper course. At last I took this box from the drawer of my dressing table and put the jewels into it. Then I called to the servant who was in the dining room and asked her to see that the carriage was got ready. For though it is a long drive, I'd resolved to make it because I felt safer in that way. Did you go out of your room to call the girl? Only into the hall. Who could have got into your room while you were out? Nobody. Where was your daughter? In her own room. How do you know? I called to her after I'd dressed, and she answered me. I told her I was going to drive over here, and she was very much surprised. I did not tell her why. Did you meet anybody on the way over— 
Did you meet anybody on the way over who spoke to you or came to the side of the carriage? Nobody. That is all I wish to ask. In fact, Nick had more questions. He was really at a loss for an explanation of this strange occurrence. If the pin had been taken from the room by a person concealed in the house, it might have been possible that that person had escaped from the grounds unseen and had given it to Mrs. Stevens. There was hardly time for such a trick to have been done, but in so strange a case every possibility was to be considered. If such a thing had been done, it must have been very near to the house. The thief must have known when Mrs. Stevens was coming, or she must have waited for him just outside the colonel's grounds. There was a place where the road was heavily fringed with trees, not more than a hundred yards from the colonel's gate. The trick must have been done there, if at all. Nick resolved to settle this small point, if possible, immediately. It was of no use to ask the man who had driven Mrs. Stevens' horse. Of course he would lie, if there was any need of it. So Nick excused himself from the group on the pretext that he was going to search Mrs. Pond's rooms again. He remembered that just after Mrs. Stevens had arrived, a wagon belonging to the colonel had driven into the grounds. He quietly looked up at the two servants who had been in this wagon. They told him that they remembered seeing Mrs. Stevens drive up. She had passed them on the road. They had had her carriage inside for a mile before it turned into Colonel Richmond's grounds. Her horse had been driven at a good pace. It had not stopped. Nobody had approached the carriage. Nick was convinced that the men were telling the truth. Then how had Mrs. Stevens obtained that pin? Her possession of the other articles might be explained, but the pen was a stickler. 